it was Shanghai, straight after Yom Kippur, in the Mir Yeshiva in Shanghai, and straight after Mariv, the Talmidim thought it was to be very appropriate to give the Rosh Hashiva of Chatzkel a present. So they sat down after Yom Kippur a whole day, davening, doing tshuva, fasting, and they sat down to learn. They had a seder of learning before they had food, before they ate, before they broke their fast. And the Rosh Hashiva of Chatzkel walked in and he saw the entire yeshiva learning. Can you imagine the nachas that he gave him? And he said, Rabbi Isai, I'd like to tell you a story. And he said as follows. He said there was a person that built a very tall tower. And he stood at the top of the tower. And eventually it started shaking and it fell down. And he started to cry. And he started to cry and he said, my towers fell down, my tower fell down. And they said to him, no, you're making a mistake. The tower's still there. You fell off the tower. Said Reb Chatzkel on Yom Kippur, when it comes after Rosh Hashanah, after Yom Eslichas, we built towers for ourselves. We had a whole Elul. We had a Rosh Hashanah. We had a Sosimei Tshuva. We had Yom Kippur. We go through the whole thing and we build ourselves another layer and another layer and another layer of tower. And we're standing on the top of the tower until maybe it might shake at one point during the year and we might fall. But don't cry that the tower fell. The tower's still there. You maybe fell. And that is a big yesod to remember. It's a tremendous yesod to remember, to understand where we're holding in these days, to realize that what we're doing is we're building towers and yes, we may fall. And there may be times in the year that maybe we will fall. But the tower didn't fall. We fell. And that's something to remember. We're sitting at a chasana recently here in Eretz Yisrael. A very, very chashavayid was sitting next to me and he started to tell me the following maisa, which I thought was beautiful. He told me it was a maisa shahoyer in Kovna. A woman, a very poor woman, was there and her husband had left the family in order to make a parnasa. He'd gone to travel far in order to make some money to send to wife and children. And every single month she sent money over with somebody who gave it to the lady, she went to go pick it up, and every month she had money. And it was one particular time that the woman went to go pick up this money. She went, she went, she also had to go on the way back to the marketplace. She came back home and she realized to her tremendous, tremendous sorrow that the money was gone. She had dropped it in the marketplace. Now you drop it in the marketplace, it's full of goyim over there, there's no chance of finding it again. And she was so upset. She ran back to the marketplace, she couldn't find it. She went back home, what is she going to tell her children? I'm sorry kids, there's no bread this, week, this, this month. There's no milk this month, there's nothing to eat this month. There's no food, there's no money. She was so, so upset. She went back the next day to the market. And she hears people murmuring, people talking in groups, and she figures, what's going on? Tell me what's the latest. They say, oh, there was a whole bunch of money over here, and Yankala, the shoemaker, he found it. And everyone was so excited for him, because he was also a poor fellow. Wow, he found a tremendous amount of money, enough to sustain a family for a whole month. And they were so excited. She said, that's my money, that was my money. She said, well, why don't you go to ask him for it back? So she goes over to him, and she says, Yankala, I heard that you found some money in the shuk. I heard you found some money in the marketplace. He says, yeah, how did you know? Everyone's talking about it. Wow, I'm so excited. Well, I can go, go, look, I could do with it. I can buy this, I can buy that. She says, by the way, I think that's my money. He's like, what do you mean? What, what are you talking about? Who told you? So what do you mean? She started telling him how many notes there were. The simonim. It was wrapped in elastic. It was this amount. The whole business. So he said, listen, I'm, you know, I'm a learned fellow. I know the halacha. 
And the halacha is, we all know the Gemara in Eilim Matthias, that if it's dropped where there's Rav Goyim, it's dropped in this place where there are non-Jewish people there, you don't have to return it, even if it's got a simon. Because once most people are, Jew- are non-Jewish in the area, you have automatically been miyayish, you've lost your hope. You're not going to get it back because there's Goyim there. No one's going to give it back to you, even with a simon. So therefore he said, I'm sorry, but the halacha is, I don't have to return it to you. So she said, you know what, I hear, I'm up, you know, I hear, I'm a couple. That's the halacha. That's the halacha. She goes home, upset once again. She starts telling her neighbors what happened. The neighbors say, you know, maybe go to a rabbi. Go to a rov. Go see what, what the rov says. So she says, okay. So she goes to the rov. And the rov paskins give it back. And he says, what's going on? How can you say that? You're not allowed. You don't have to. She said, you're right. But only in a case that they're miyayish, that you give up hope, in a case where the rov going is mostly non-Jewish people, that's in a case where it belongs to the person that dropped it. Here it didn't belong to the person that dropped it. It didn't belong to her. It was her husband's hard work. He'd worked a whole month and he sent the money to her. Yes, she was going to spend it, but it didn't belong to her. And if it didn't belong to her and she dropped it, she didn't lose up hope. The husband didn't lose up lose hope. He's who knows where. He's still working for next month. And therefore he paskened that they don't have to, they have to return it. So Rebbe Khanan said the most amazing thing, Rabbi Sai. And he said, it's a huge mushaskal for our own lives. Our goof, our body, our neshama that we were given doesn't belong to us. True, we may fall, but there's no yush. You can't give up hope. Because giving up hope doesn't apply when it doesn't belong to you. Giving up hope only applies when it belongs to you. Your goof, your neshama that you were given as a present from the Rebbeinu Shalom doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. It was given to you to use in the best possible way. HaKadosh Baruch is the owner and HaKadosh Baruch is never Meyayish. HaKadosh Baruch is always waiting for our tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch is always waiting for our tshuva and that's something we have to realize Chazal tell us. In the Gemara Psochim Daf Nundalet Tshuva Kodmo Lebriya Sa'olam before the Rebbein Yishlam created the world. Before the world was in existence there was tshuva. Because a world without tshuva doesn't work. And tshuva means the Rabboni Shalom waits for us. The Rabboni Shalom is waiting for us to come back. And yes, we fall. And it's difficult sometimes. A chosh of a fellow called me from, the, from America with an up. A various sometimes are done. How do you do tshuva? How do you know the Rabboni Shalom accepts your tshuva? How do you know? Yes, we do tshuva. And we want to come back to the Rabboni Shalom. But how do we know that the Rabboni Shalom accepts it? So I told him a very simple thing. I said, just imagine... Ez Hashem, negate to all of you, Mitz Hashem soon, when you have children, and your seven-year-old son is really not nice, he's chutzpahdik, he, you know, makes a mess, he doesn't clean up, he doesn't listen to you, he does all sorts of things, and you start getting all upset with him, and you send him to his room, and you miss punishment, and that punishment, and he, he's mummish. you don't know what to do with the kid, you're so upset with him, so upset, how could you do that to me? You walk into his room, to tuck him into bed, eight o'clock at night, and he's crying, and he says, Daddy, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. I, I'm not going to do that again. I, I, I was terrible. Which human being, which father, would be able to say to his son, what are you talking about? No way, get out of here. You're naughty. I'm not interested. Every father knows he loves his children dearly. And if you love your children that much, you can accept whatever they say. And if they say, I'm sorry, and I want to do better, accept it. Forget about it. The Rebbein Shlonim is our Avinu, is our father. He's waiting for us. He's just waiting for that moment. When we get up there on the Rosh Hashanah, on the Yom Kippur, or any day during the year, and we say, We're so sorry. We want to come back to you. We want to come close to you. However bad of an Avera you did, 
whatever you did, there's no chance in a million years our father will not accept that. There's no such thing. It's impossible. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Listen to this, Rabbi Isai. The Rishonim tell us, there's an Osaru and Chelek Aleph, that he writes that if a person is mischaret, if a person regrets his bad deeds, he has a din right now of a bal tshuva. If you regretted it, no, get about before tshuva, you just put in your head, you regretted what you did. I always talk about this. Some people often say, you know, how can I regret Naveira? It was great. I loved it. it was, I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, I had a juicy bit of lush and horror that I spoke about my friend. I enjoyed that. How can I get up and say, I'm really sorry, I really regret it. No, you don't regret it. You loved every second of it. So we always compare every year, we always say, it's like a lollipop. Take a child, take a four-year-old, three-year-old child that has a lollipop. And he's licking this lollipop and he's enjoying every second of it, right? And then he drops it in the dust. He drops it in the earth. What does a child do of three years old? He picks it back up and he continues to lick the lollipop. Ugh, it's disgusting. But to the child, it's just as sweet. To the child, it's just as like, that's exactly what an Avera is. Yes, you may have enjoyed speaking that juicy bit of Lashon horror about somebody else, but it's disgusting. It's rolled in the dirt. It's something that's not nice. And that's Harat, that's Ruket. The Gemarian Kedushin Daf Mem Testament base tells us an amazing thing. If a person marries a woman, and he says, I am marrying you on the condition that I am a Tzadik. Tells us the Gemara. I feel like a Rosha Gomo. It could be a Rosha Gomo. The Kedushin is Chal. The marriage works. Shema, Hirur, Tshuva, Badaitai. Maybe at the moment he had a das, he had a knowledge, he had an intention to do Tshuva. That's good enough. And that's what Chazal is telling us an amazing thing. And the Sivir Shalom Baricha speaks about this. And he says, No, so what? He was Maharaj Tshuva. So what? For a second he thought about Tshuva. The guy's a Russia. And he's marrying this girl saying, I'm a big Tzadik. How does it work? What's the shot? So he writes, and the Nesiv Shalom writes that the Yaschola, the beginning, the start of Tshuva, is exactly this. It's regret. Because when a person regrets it, he'll stop doing that Vera. And that's step number one in every bit of Tshuva. Every bit of Tshuva is, a person can be such a Rasha, but he's not considered a Rasha if he regrets it. That's what Tshuva is. That's what the Rabboni Shalom is waiting from us. Rabbi Shalom Shadron said an amazing thing. Sorry, the Dubna Magid. The Dubna Magid talked about Yom Kippur. And he said, he said over an amazing marshal, he said there was a chasana of a very wealthy fellow. And everybody was so excited. Everybody got their, you know, their new clothes out because the wealthy fellow was making a chasana. Everyone wanted to participate. This was the chasana of the year. And everybody gets their finest clothing out and their jewelry and their diamonds and everything. Everyone's all excited. And the poor people are saying, hey, what are we going to do? We also want to participate in the chasana, but we can't come in our regular clothing. So they start borrowing other people's clothing. They borrow people's clothing to look good. They also want to come in. When you walk in to the chasana, you think, wow, everybody here is wealthy. Everyone's wearing gorgeous clothing and they've got diamonds and they've got earrings and everything. It's amazing. Little do you realize that some of them have it only borrowed. And at the end of the chasana, the ones who can't afford it, they start giving their things back. And they start hurrying at the end of the wedding to give it. And I said the Dubna Magid. Comes into a Yom Kippur. And we're all standing in shul together. Yes, we all look the same. We're all in the same situation. But what happens after Yom Kippur? What lasts? What takes the Yom Kippur on to the whole year? And that's something we're both to have to realize. Something we have to take in consideration. We're building towers. That's what we're doing in these days right now. We're building towers. The Rabbani Shalom will give us a lot of siyat dishmaya. That Be'ezah Hashem, through all of these words, through our deeds, through our maizim, will take a do tshuva. And the Rabbani Shalom will give us a wonderful, wonderful year. Have a great day.